Alright, welcome back, Nindy No Huddle Nation. It's been a while since we've been able to grace your computer or phone screens. Um, hope everyone had a great Christmas and looking forward to a new year. Uh, we are obviously here to talk some Penn State football about the Rose Bowl game. So, Zach, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How, how have you been? Good, man. Keeping busy. Basketball's always busy, so... Um, We'll see how we can do with some some wins, hopefully, coming up. But that's not important right now. Right now, what's important is Penn State football. So um, just a quick overview. We're just going to dive right in. Um, obviously, Jordan's still not able to, to be with us. Time-wise, it's so different for him. Um, the game is Monday, January 2nd. Kicks off around 5.15 p.m. I think it comes on the air at 5 o'clock. It'll be on ESPN. And it is between 11... Penn State and number eight ranked the Pac-12 champions, the Utah Utes. Um, I, I think this is one of the best games outside of probably the two college football playoff games. Um, I think a lot of people are pretty high on it. It The last line I saw was Utah by two and a half points. I think that's pretty, pretty spot on. I think it's going to be a pretty tight game. Um, so let's dive right in with our Penn State offense going up against Utah's defense. A um, couple couple notes I wrote down. Um, Penn State's offense really turned it on late. Um, they were averaging in in the 40s over the last month of the season, points per game, just, just putting up points at ease. Um, sure, they weren't playing great teams, but they're finding a way to score. Um, they finished the season with – uh, ranked 40th in rushing yards per game and 45th in passing yards per game in college football. Um, Utah's defense, meanwhile, is ranked 19th in rushing yards per game. They only give up 112 yards per game on the ground. Um, passing yards, they give up about 233 yards per game. Um, Penn State averages about 250 passing yards. Uh, Clifford became the school passing leader this season uh, in yardage and touchdowns. Uh, uh, for everything that we've said that's that's not great about Sean Clifford, he's going down statistically. I'm sure he's been there for 95 years. He's going down statistically as a top quarterback in Penn State history in a lot of categories. Um, and, and I think he will be ready to play. I think he'll come out really, really gunning for um, a big game. And then it comes down to Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, the two freshmen. Um, a really big opportunity on a huge national stage in the Rose Bowl game to really set the tone for next season and to uh, to hopefully win this game. So, Zach, what are your thoughts on Penn State's offense? And uh, and if you have Utah's defense, or we can circle back around to that here in a second. So I think I think you already hit on it a little bit. Utah, I think, has a really solid defense. Um, a lot of people that f- follow the Pac-12 or, or don't follow it too closely think of Utah as kind of like the, the one team in that league that's kind of built like a Big Ten team. And I think there's definitely something to that if you look at – if you look at Kyle Whittingham and just sort of his his demeanor and how long he's been there, and he's he's clearly built the team 
kind of in his image and they don't recruit extremely well. Um, but I think he's one of those guys that just kind of gets the guys that he thinks will fit in his system and makes, makes them work. Um, as far as Penn state's offense goes, I, I think the, the big thing, and this has kind of been the case all year is you got to run the ball, right? Utah is really tough on the ground. I think uh, Devin, you hit on some of the statistics. I believe I had the PAC 12 conference um, stats up. I think they were first in the league or, or they, they were giving up. Yeah. So they only gave up 107 yards on the ground, which was first in the PAC 12. Again, take that for what it's worth in that conference, but they, they it clearly, if you're going to win the game, you need to start to get some ground, uh, get some rushing yards on them. I looked for me, um, they had a really good season, but they had a couple really jarring losses. Obviously the Florida loss was really yeah. kind of inexplicable. And then also the UCLA lost, not, not just that they lost to UCLA on the road, um, but the way they did it. So UCLA in that game ran for 203 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and in the Florida game, even worse, a Florida team that ended up being pretty, pretty bad overall ran for 283 yards and four touchdowns in that game. But then if you look at pretty much all of the rest of the games, the defense played really well. Um, so from a Penn state standpoint, it's, it, it's a simplistic way to look at it, but if you run the ball, teams put up points on Utah and and the teams that couldn't run the ball and became one dimensional didn't fare well. Um, even, even teams like USC with a really prolific passing game, they were able to kind of control somewhat the, the rushing attack. So I think priority number one for Penn state, um, especially with Parker Washington being out and um, you know, just, just the talent that we have in the backfield, you gotta, you gotta really stress the run game. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, and um, even though, the Pac-12 is a lot of passing, and and the numbers look like um, statistically, you would think that Penn State will be able to pass the ball against Utah just just because of their style and the like. You said they're really designed like a like a Big Ten team with with good linemen, good linebackers. Um, running the game, running the ball is going to be huge, and and controlling the tempo and and being in control of it. Um, you saw last year with them in Ohio State in the Rose Bowl game. That, I mean, that game was in the 40s, upper 40s, and and it was just a shootout from start to finish. I don't really think that's a game that Penn State really wants to be in. Uh, not that I think that that's a game that this that this will turn into, but if they can control the clock, use Brent Strange, use Tyler Warren, um, and, and get the running game involved with with backing or running behind those guys, I think it's going to be huge to, to really dominate on the line of scrimmage. I, I think from what I see, I think Penn State's offensive line will be able to move the ball. I really do. Um, obviously, I mean, Utah's really good. They're ranked number eight in the nation. But when you look at, like, their defensive leaders, it's, it's kind of crazy that their, their top two leading tacklers are both safeties, and then, it's, and then it's all linebackers. And you don't really get into those defensive linemen again – because teams aren't running the ball a ton against them. I, I think I saw that they were like in the 130th in passing. Um, what was that? The passing efficiency or whatever, like the amount the amount of times the other team passes versus rushes. They're like in the bottom 20 teams. Um, so, and, and that kind of goes back to one of the big opt outs for Utah is Clark Phillips, the third, um, an excellent defensive back. I think I saw it projected second round. Is that what you saw too? Like the mid. I, I was seeing like potentially, potentially first round. Okay, I, um, I thought I saw up top second round, so that would make sense. First round guy. Um, he has two defensive touchdowns this year, six interceptions. Um, gets involved in the backfield with a couple of TFLs. Uh, he really flies around, and not having him is going to be a big loss for them. 
And they are led by Cole Bishop. He's a sophomore, um, super rangy safety that's always involved in plays. Um, you don't usually see a safety with six TFLs through 13 games, but they mix him in. They they use him a lot in different packages. And 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 then R.J. Hubert is the senior safety, and he's really good too. He has three picks on the year. Um, he, he gets involved. I think I think he has a defensive touchdown as well. If I if I'm correct, I think he had a pick six. Um, and, and you get into some of their their linebackers. Kareen Reed is really soft. Muhammad Diabate, of which I'm sure I said his name wrong, but that dude can play. He's got 12 and a half TFLs, five sacks. Um, they got some some really good athletes on their defense. Yeah, absolutely. And they're I think they're tied for 16th in the country in in sacks per game. So they definitely are able to get the pressure on the quarterback. I think you 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 obviously hit on a big point that both teams will have to figure out how do we how do we how do we live life without our lockdown corner and how do we adjust our defense? You know, with Penn State, obviously we'll talk about Joey Porter on the other side. I think Utah sees Clark Phillips as kind of that guy on their side. So all season long all season long you've been you've been able to craft your defense uh, around the idea that you can just sort of lock up one side of the field or lock up one particular receiver and then maybe shift things based off of that. Um, And so both teams will have, have to kind of figure out something that they haven't really had to grapple with all season. Obviously Porter was out a few games at the end for Penn state, but, but still, I think that's, that's a big deal when you're playing competent offenses and competent uh, passing games that, that how, how teams will be able to adjust to that, um, and also Utah has another, I think perhaps more important opt out that we'll talk about on the offensive side of the ball, but that's just where coaching is it, and anymore. It's becoming commonplace at the end of the season, unless you're in the playoffs, you're going to have to figure out how to win a, a bowl game, even a big bowl game like the Rose bowl with a team that's different than the team that you, you had just a month ago. Um, a couple of stats for me while we're uh, before we get off of the Penn state offense, Utah defense side of the equation. And we, we look at these every week and we're kind of a broken record, but I really think they are important stats, uh, red zone percentages, and then third down conversion. So despite what we think was a, a pretty successful Penn state offense this year, uh, we talked about this as well, only converting third downs at a rate of 36.5. That's uh, good for 93rd in the country. On the other side of the field, Utah's third down conversion defense uh, they're only giving up 29.6 percent of third mm-hmm. downs, which is good for 10th in the country. That's great. So if you're if you're looking at something that could be really problematic as a Penn State fan, it's it's a a team that struggled on third downs going up against a defense that, that's been really good at forcing teams off the field on third down. It's a great stat. Um, the flip side is you know, Penn State's third down defense has been very good, 30 percent, just a little bit um, slightly worse than Utah's. Um, Utah's third down conversion rate on offense though is 49% good for eighth in the country. So they are, they are sustaining drives or staying on the field. You know, we talked about their run game that that's, those are two really good stats, 10th in the country and third down defense, uh, rate and eighth in the country on third down offense. So, um, that's something to watch. Uh, Penn state's just kind of always, it seems like under Franklin, we've always struggled on third downs and and oftentimes we get away with it because we have big playability, especially Singleton right now where you can get stacked up on a bunch of runs and all of a sudden, boom, you've got a long touchdown run. Um, the other thing to look at, of course, is, is red zone Penn state um, sort of flip side to the, the third down conversion issue. They've been very good in the red zone. So they're converting scores on 89.6% of their trips into the red zone, which is good for 21st in the country. And 78% of those are uh, converted into touchdowns. Conversely, Utah, who who is great at converting third downs, 
is only scoring uh, 87 and a half, 87 percent of the time, and when they get to the red zone, and only 67 percent of those are, t- are are those are touchdowns. So, hmm. might mean something, might not mean something. It's just very interesting how Utah clearly has an advantage on third down, but Penn State seems to have a pretty strong advantage when it comes to uh, red zone offensive success. Yeah, that's all great stuff. Uh, I think that third down number, obviously, like you said, we we kind of preach on that here here at Nittany No Huddle, um, and, and that that's going to be a big deal. That's that's a that's a big number. What what you say? Twenty seven percent that Utah has given up. Twenty, I think it was twenty nine. Twenty nine. I mean that that's that's really impressive. They're getting that's off really, the field. That's yeah, yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Um, so before we before we move on, Zach, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. I have a name in my head, so I'll see what you think. Who do you think is somebody on Penn State's offense that could be an X factor? Not Singleton, not Allen, like not one of these guys that we always expect to play well. Who is somebody that you're looking for could maybe have that breakout game with these extra three weeks of practice? Um, maybe something you've heard or just just a gut feeling? Because I, I have someone in mind. I want to see what you're thinking. We'll see if I we'll see if I end up stealing it. Um, I, I, the name I'll throw out there is Brenton Strange. Um, who we just heard, we just found out about he's, he's declaring for the NFL draft, which I think is probably a smart move given that he had a pretty good year and there's maybe not, he's kind of capped um, in terms of his athletic and his, his body size and whatnot. I don't think there's a whole lot to be gained from coming back, but I think, I think Penn state's tight ends are going to be a focal point. Excuse me. Obviously with Parker Washington being out um, the receiver play is, is kind of limited. Mitchell Tinsley is a guy, maybe that's the name that, that you're looking at, but I think there's a chance at the tight end. So I'll say generally the whole tight end room, but with Bretton Strange declaring for the draft, I think there's a chance that he he can really use this as a springboard to perhaps find himself somewhere in the middle in the middle rounds of the NFL draft. Who do you have? I think that's a great one. Um, the name I'm actually it's it's similar. It's in that kind of that family. But I, I'm going with Harrison Wallace. Um, I, I think he with Parker Washington out, uh, you know, Utah is going to be focused on Strange and and Tinsley a lot. I think I think Tinsley is a guy that they're they're going to be ready for. Can Harrison Wallace have a breakout game in the Rose Bowl and and make catches that matter? He's had a couple incredible catches this year, and he's had a couple big-time drops that are really crucial. Um, I, I think that these few extra weeks of getting reps as probably the number two guy, I, I mean, maybe number three, but probably the number two guy, I would think, in practice over the last month um, – I think I think he's a name that could have a big breakout game. He has 17 catches for 226 yards and one touchdown so far this year. Um, I, he's one that I'm kind of keeping an eye on. And I hope I really hope he does, but this is kind of gut feeling that I have. I like it. And if you've been, if if any of our viewers have been watching or listening to any of the various podcasts or reading any of the blogs you know that Penn State has made a huge priority in the transfer portal with the receiver position. I mean, they're not, they haven't even offered anybody at certain positions, but they have offered like eight or 10 or 12 wide receivers. And and yeah. I've read that they're hoping to get two. And a lot of them are starting to, to, to fall and go somewhere else. And I, I think if you're Harrison Walsh or Keandre Lambert Smith, this is your opportunity to say, Hey, we don't, we don't need other guys. You know, we we're losing Tinsley. We're losing Washington. Sure. But I'm coming back, you know, and I can be the number one guy. I, I think it's a huge question mark. I, I've got some level of concern. I don't I don't know that uh, Lambert Smith or Harrison Wallace are necessarily guys that I think I can see as as a number one, but I think yeah. they have they have the skill set and the talent that they could be. So it's more of just a question of we haven't seen it. and and maybe this is the perfect opportunity um, 
look at look at Jackson Smith and Jigba last year with Ohio State. Mm-hmm. A little bit different because he had a he had a really big regular season, but he blew up in that in that Rose Bowl. He had like 15 catches for like 380 yeah. yards. It was like, you know, it was like back when I used to play against Jordo, that type of stats on uh yeah. on, on NCAA 14. But but I think I think if you're one of those guys and and you 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 read all the blogs about Penn State is so desperate for a wide receiver, they're they're offering everybody that's in the portal basically. That that cuts one way or the other. That either gets you down, and you you're trying to figure out who, what's my role here, and how do the coaches see me, or you say you use that as fuel, and you you say, hey, I'm I'm still here. I'm the number one guy. Coupled with Utah's number one corner being out, yeah, maybe there's maybe there's an opportunity there. So I I think that's a good pick. I could see Lambert Smith perhaps having a a, a nice game as well. Yeah, I I don't. I've kind of soured on Lambert Smith. Um, I I just think I, I like I feel like we know what he is. And he's not going to be anything else. Whereas I think Harrison Wallace has enough size that he could. He, I mean, he's not. I don't think he's six four. I forget what he is off the top of my head. But he he has more size than Lambert Smith. And um, and, and I think, like you said, could he be that guy moving forward of proving, hey, we've got a we've got a receiver here. We don't need to go get five transfers. So I'll throw I'll throw know. one quick name out there just to add to that. I think Omari Evans is a guy um, with. Okay. With um, Washington being out, he's a true freshman. He saw the field early in some of the, I think, Ohio and Central Michigan games. Uh, scored a touchdown. I think he's got one thing that both Lambert Smith and uh, Wallace don't quite have, which is that breakaway speed. Mm-hmm. So that's a name to watch. Maybe maybe he shows up. He he gets yeah. maybe a long touchdown. But at the end of the day, it's an open. It's a really big question mark going into next year. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, just in terms of the guys that are going to be playing in the Rose Bowl, and then potentially guys that aren't on the roster right now that might be seeing a lot of time next year, just just like we had with with uh, Tinsley. Right. And I think Evans played in every game this year. I, I mean, I, I don't think he had that many catches, but um, like yeah, you said. He was like in the rotation. And yeah. Awesome snaps. But wasn't a, wasn't a targeted guy. So I think that's that's somebody, too, that maybe – I mean, he might work his way up, too. Um, so do you have anything else for Penn State offense versus Utah defense, or do you want to flip to the other side of the ball? I'm, I'm ready to move on if you are. All right, we're we're keeping it brisk and to the point here. Um, So Utah offense, I have a couple of things written down. They are ranked 10th in the nation in points per game. They averaged 37.5 points per game. Um, They're top 10 in rushing yards per game, and they're top 50 in passing yards per game. Um, Very balanced offense. They averaged about 220 rushing yards per game and about 245 passing yards per game. pretty balanced overall. I think that they, they like to mix in a lot, obviously camerizing. Um, I, he was it, one of our Heisman sleepers throughout the season as somebody who could work his way up there. Didn't pan out, but, but he's, he had a really great season. Um, I know, I think, I, I don't know if I used the word overrated earlier this year, but I definitely said that he was going to cost them a game. And then I think he went out and threw for like 300 yards and they won that game. Um, but that's usually what happens whenever I make predictions. But anyways, he is uh, completing 66% of his passes just, just south of 3000 passing yards um, in 12 games and 25 touchdowns versus seven interceptions. And obviously he's also a very capable runner. He has 409 rushing yards, um, six rushing touchdowns averages about 35 rush yards per game. Um, and that includes the sacks, like Zach always complains about in the NCAA. Any sacks go against you. So, don't know exactly off, uh, without digging super deep how many of those yards. Uh, actually, I can probably pull it up real quick. Oh, yeah, 60, 62 negatives this year. 
So he really has 471 rushing yards, 62 lost yards, probably a combination of QB designed runs and sacks. Um, I, but he he's obviously their focal point. He's the he is the guy for Utah football right now. Um, Zach, do you have any comments on Cam Rising or or um, any any thoughts? Obviously, we hate being a, a quarterback focused podcast. We're not ESPN or anything, but Cam Rising is really good. No, I, I'm a big fan. I think he's one of those guys that just because of the fact he's playing at Utah and it's not like USC or Ohio State, one of the name brands. I think he had a really good year. Um, you referenced the rushing yards, and I think you're probably right that uh, there's probably a lot of sack yards that even kept that down. But he's a really tough kid. If you saw the hit that he took against USC in the uh, Pac-12 yeah. title game, I mean, that's the type of hit where, like, you don't know if they're going to get up, like, ever. Yeah. And he just popped right back up and was, was no worse for the wear. But I think his ability to run, we talk about this all the time, and it's kind of cliche, but it's just so hard. When you've got a when you've got a quarterback, even if they're not super fast, but if they're just athletic and they're savvy in the pocket, which I think he is. And if you lose track of him, or if you're not keeping somebody spying on him, he's going to hurt you on the ground. Um, but but even his passing numbers, I think he's been really good. I think really the only game that I saw where where he did not look good and he struggled and statistically he had a bad, what I would say was a bad game was the the Oregon game where he had uh, no touchdowns, I think less than 200 yards, and he had three interceptions. And Oregon was just getting pressure on him and. Um, other than that, even in the Florida loss, he had a crucial interception at the end, but generally played pretty well. I, I think he's a very good college quarterback. I think he's um, he's one of those guys, like when you have him, you don't necessarily take them for granted. And you, you maybe look at the Strouds and the Hendon Hookers and think, ah, there's like, I wish I had one of those guys, but you miss them when, when you don't have them. Um, he's, he's a good, he's a good player. And I could, I could easily see him having a very good game, which, uh, against even a good Penn State defense, but I could see him having a very good game against us. Yeah, and and before we move on to the running game, since we're talking about rising, we might as well talk about the receivers. Um, obviously, Dalton Kincaid, tight end, 70 catches, 890 yards, eight touchdowns, and he has opted out of playing in this game. Um, I just read an article from a Utah website that was very, very disappointed in Mr. Dalton Kincaid uh, for making a – great decision for his future and for his uh, wallet. And they were not very happy about it in Utah. But when you put up those numbers and you think you're going to be a high draft pick, I, I really don't fault the kid at all. Um, but that does leave some question marks for Utah in the passing game. Um, Devon, uh, I didn't look up how you said his name, Vele. Vele or Vele. Vele, okay. Um, Devon Vele has had a really good season. Um, looking at his game logs, um, he, he didn't – did he – didn't play against USC? Oh, no, sorry. This is just their regular season. I was going to say, I thought he had catches against USC in the Pac-12 title game. Um, but he had a really good stretch in the middle of the season um, against Oregon State, UCLA, and USC, that that three-game stretch that they were on where he had – trying to do the quick math – 18 catches for two fifty three touchdowns, something like that. Um, just trying to do that math super quick in my head. He's going to be a big target. Um, and then Money Parks, I think, is another name that that will get involved in the receiving game a lot. He has a couple touchdowns this year, 25 catches. Um, the one thing about um, Devon is that he is 6'5 and is a sophomore. Um, so I, I think that they are pretty high on him moving forward. 
I don't know if they really expected him going into the Rose Bowl to be their number one guy with Kincaid deciding to opt out. But he's a he's a big big dude. Yeah, I think um, I I haven't seen where Kincaid is projected to get drafted. I'm I'm, I'm assuming and it's fairly hopeful that it's pretty high. I can't imagine. Um, you know, it's the Rose Bowl. Obviously, Porter's opting out. Um, if you're a first round pick, I get it. It just seems. I don't know if you're not, if you're somewhere in the middle of the middle of the draft, it just maybe doesn't make sense. And, and the stage that you're playing on good examples. So Chris Godwin for Penn state fans um, ended up having a huge road Rose bowl against USC back in 20 January of 2017. And I, I really think the Rose bowl where he was going up against the Dore Jackson, the cornerback from USC, I think he, he parlayed himself into a better draft position. Um, I think he went in the second round because of the stage that he got to play in, in that game. So in any event, that's his call. I don't have any, you know, heartburn over it. I understand why some fans might be upset, but at the end of the day, if it makes sense for the player, that's the route they got to go. I think he's a really good. I will player. say, Jack is it, it, the latest big board I saw was I saw him anywhere between twenty-five to thirty-five um, overall, and as the number two tight end. So I think he expects to be a late first-round pick, if not definitely a sec early second-round pick. Um, it's a lot yeah, of money so to might- turn down. Yeah, if that if that if that projection is correct, then then maybe there isn't a whole lot to gain for him. But I I really like him. I think if you've watched yeah. him play, he's he is he's like the prototypical modern NFL tight end, um, just in terms of body size. What's really interesting, um, he wasn't even a starting tight end at the beginning of the year. They had a guy named Brant Cuthy who was who was also really good and got hurt. Can't remember. Uh, it was pretty early in the season, but he had a he had some big games. I mean, he had. Yeah, I think he only played like four or five games. Yeah, and in those games, he had 19 catches for 206 yards and three touchdowns. So Utah is really interesting. If you look at their receiving core, um, they've got three tight ends in their top seven, and that includes Kuthi, who only played a couple games. They've got the running back, Bernard, who has sort of been in a timeshare at the running back position. He's there. He has the third most catches on the team. So they, they do a good job of spreading the ball around. I think with Kincaid gone, it gets interesting, kind of like we talked about on the defensive side. How do you how do you adjust your entire game plan from we've got this lockdown corner and, and we kind of build everything around that? I think if you're Utah, you had the same thing on offense. You you built around Cam Rising and Dalton Kincaid. Uh, 70 catches for a tight end is just like crazy and almost That's like Iowa numbers. Touchdown. Yeah. And so you kind of built around that and, and kind of scheme your offense around it. Uh, I think Devon Valley is a, is a good receiver. I think he's a he's a definite touchdown threat. He's got five touchdowns as well. Um, I don't know as much about Money Parks, but with a name he's like fast. that, you know, five, yeah, five ten. I think I, I think I read that he had a ten point nine hundred meter high school. Um, and that makes sense because he doesn't have a he doesn't have a ton of catches. He only has twenty five receptions, but four hundred yards. So he's averaging he's averaging over sixteen yards per catch, which tells you he's had some long. He's yeah. popped for some long plays this year. So, and then they've got they've got a third tight end, Thomas Thomas Yasmin, who has 300 yards receiving on only 12 catches, and he's got five touchdowns. So, again, it's just I I really like this offense. I like Rising because I think he 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 doesn't even even with Kincaid in in the in the picture, he's spreading the ball around. They've got touchdown targets all over the field. They've got a running back who's who's really heavily involved in the passing game. They have their starting tight end go out early in the season and they recover from that. I, I just think it's a good offense. I think they're they're a, a veteran team. They have a quarterback that knows who he is and, and what he is and what he isn't. And they've got guys who know their role within the offense. Uh, it, 
I'm really, you know, I'm really, I don't want to say concerned, but, and you referenced the, the Ohio state game last year. It's, it's entirely possible that Utah is going to put up a lot of points and Penn State's going to have to match them. Yeah. And I, and I think the other thing that we really need to talk about is, is the running game. Um, like you said, I, I think they're going to be able to pass the ball. Um, Penn State's secondary at times this year has looked really good and other times has not looked great. Um, and I think it's a lot of scheming and, and Diaz is, is running different packages and running different blitzes and, and he's doing so much stuff on defense that I think things open up and, and that happens um, where I think Penn state has to focus and really dominate is limiting Utah's running game. Um, their leading running back Tavian Thomas is injured. He, uh, he had 687 yards through 10 games, some sort of a foot injury, I believe if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, so he won't play. And then the kind of the breakout story from the, Pac-12 championship game is this kid, uh, Jaquindon Jackson, who was their backup quarterback at the start of the year. Then they realized, well, he's never going to get the field as the backup quarterback because Cam Rising is that good. Um, They put him at running back for a couple of plays, and he was really impressive. So they've kept him there, and uh, he's he's at 450 rushing yards. Zach, do you have – in front of you how many yards he had in the pac 12 title game i think he had like one so here's his so it's weird to me here's his last uh four games versus arizona he had 13 carries for 97 yards and a touchdown seven and a half per carry mm-hmm. somehow in the oregon game he only had three carries but 23 yards so another 7.7 then in the final game of the season colorado not really worth bragging about but he had 10 carries for 117 yards and three touchdowns and then in the usc pac 12 championship game that you referenced he had 13 carries for 105 yards and two touchdowns so in his last four games once he started to actually get a you know pretty active share of the of the running of the carries his his i mean seven and a half seven point seven eleven point seven eight point one so when the guy gets the ball he gets yards it's mm-hmm. it's that simple which is kind of crazy considering um you know he was just getting a few carries early in the season and was mostly playing quarterback it's just kind of unheard of at this level yeah definitely that, that's something you expected like a a high school level where the quarterback, you just need to get the ball in his hands however you want. So he plays quarterback. Yeah. Um, it, now he, he goes the other way and starts playing running back instead of having the ball in his hands every time. Um, like you said, he's averaging seven yards a carry. Um, he is a difference maker as a red shirt freshman that I think if, if Utah could probably look back over the season, maybe they would think, man, maybe we should have got him some more carries earlier in the year. Obviously, Tavion Thomas is really good, and and not to overlook Micah Bernard, um, I think he's a sophomore too. So he he's he's had a really good season. He's averaging five yards a carry, ninety five carries, four seventy four, and four touchdowns. He's had a really solid season too. So definitely not trying to dismiss him at all. But over the last four weeks of the season, Jaquindon Jackson really kind of made a name for himself that I think will carry into the next year. Yeah, and if they get these guys all back, you referenced Bernard, uh, Bernard being a sophomore. I'm not sure with Tavion Thomas with the injury, um, where he's at and how how serious it is. He's only a junior, so it, it's possible, you know, it's possible that this strong running game that they that they've put together this year, they get it all back next year. Mm. Uh, it could be interesting. Yeah, Rising. I, I was just checking on Rising. He's listed as a junior. I think he's so he still has eligibility left. Also a great goatee, by the way, if you haven't if you haven't caught it. Yeah. Kind of looks like a pirate 
the, the flowing the flowing mane and the the goatee. Yeah, now, well, now I have to look up. Is he planning? Like, what's his draft board? Not 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 just the beautiful picture, but let's see where he's scouting at. Because I, I honestly thought he was a senior. I don't know why that didn't connect might, with me. That they might have him listed as year. Might be one of those COVID things where he's listed as a junior. Yeah, let me. But he seems like one of those guys that would be really underappreciated by NFL scouts. Yeah. Um, so this is from CBS. It says Rising has good size, but he does not have the speed to extend plays consistently. He has a good feel for the game. There were a few drops that hurt his case, but the senior, see, this calls him senior, got away with interceptions down the boundary. Um, most this has a chart from like his first five games of the year and all of his, com- he's like 85% completion under 20 yards and over is like 26%. Um, so that would be a concern. I don't that obviously that charts from super early this season, only five games in, but yeah, yeah I, I think, think like, that, like, I don't think he pops off the screen with arm strength yeah. and arm talent. I think he's, he's pretty competent, but he's not one of those guys that the scouts just salivate over because the ball just zips out of their hand. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I guess we should hit Penn State defense just a hair before we move on. Um, the name that really stands out to me is Kalen King. Uh, with Joey Porter out, Kalen King kind of made news over the last week of saying, like, we've still got our lockdown corner. It's not that big a deal. I'm, I mean, I'm still here. And, uh, hey, kudos to him for saying that, being that confident in himself and um, and believing that he's going to shut down anybody that comes his way. He had a really good season. Um I, th- I think he's a name to really watch out for. Obviously, we I mean we could talk about Abdul Carter and and Jair Brown like we always do, but I, I think and maybe Jordan was the one that was starting to fall in love with Kalen King over the season. Um yeah, he definitely but I, I, I think he I think Kalen King is is the guy for me with we're talking about X factors for the Penn State defense is is how involved is he and and is he that lockdown guy that we've been saying about Joey Porter for two seasons. Yeah, I, I think if you're Kalen King, you're, you're again talking about the bowl game as sort of a springboard. You know, you look at Joey Porter and you think that's me next year. Like, I, I think Kalen King had a really good year this year. I think he doesn't have quite the Joey Porter's a junior is a freak in terms of like his mm, his size, uh, his wingspan and his size. Like, I just think the scouts won't quite see that in Kalen King, but I think his his game film is is really good, and I think he has a chance next year to kind of do that same progression where, uh, you know push for like a first team all america type type uh status get drafted high um so if you're him this this bowl game is is kind of the the, the next step in that natural progression for me as far as penn state guys to watch you know you mentioned Jair brown i think his last game in a, in a penn state uniform yeah he's been so good this year and he's been so good for the last two years really i think he was it's crazy to think about how uh you know how fortunate we were with Jaquan Brisker and Brown playing at the same time. I, fr- I feel like nobody really talked about Brown last yeah. year. He was really good, but Brisker was also really good. And Brisker's, I think, off to a pretty good start in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Brown has been really good this year. He was Penn State's leading tackler. Guys, just every play you look up and he's he's in the middle of it. He's 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 there. Um, yeah. One thing for me to watch, maybe not necessarily like the the game itself, but Curtis Jacobs is a name we haven't heard. As far as whether he's going to use his eligibility, he's. I think he actually has two years left. If you mm-hmm. if he were to, uh, I think he's a, a true junior. Okay. Uh, so if he if he used the COVID year, he conceivably could have two years left. Penn State, to my knowledge, has not offered a linebacker in the transfer portal. 
if he if he were to be leaving, I I would think you'd see Penn State going after some linebackers in the portal, right. just because you've got you got some combination of King and Elsden probably locking things down in the middle. Maybe maybe you think you can get an upgrade there, but but if Jacobs goes to the draft, you've got you've got uh, Abdul Carter, and then you've got some question marks. Sutherland's obviously gone. Um, Dom DeLuca is a former walk on that I think is really popping and kind of pushing his way into playing time. But I don't know if you go into next season, you know, without trying to grab a linebacker in the portal. So I'm kind of right. crossing my fingers and reading the tea leaves to say he's coming back. Well, it'll be interesting to see another name just, just as far as sort of like seniors and guys to watch. I'd love to see PJ Mustafer have a, a great going Agreed. out party for Penn state, a guy kind of like Jaquan Brown or uh, Jair, Jair Brown. He's been around, seems like he's been around forever. He's been a part of, some really good defenses for Penn State and a guy that's kind of an unsung hero just playing that that nose tackle technique where you're mostly just clogging things up and you're not making tackles and you're not getting sacks and you're not getting name recognition. But I think he's been a and I think he's been a great leader from everything I've read too. Uh him and Clifford just kind of like from a leadership standpoint. So that's a name to watch. I'd like to see him have a big game. Yeah, I totally agree with Mustafer. I think it's good that you called him out there. It's like you said he with the position and the style that he's playing, he's not a guy that's going to go get seven, eight tackles a night. He, I mean, it, it is a little surprising to me that he has zero sacks on the year. I thought he'd have at least one or two. But, I mean, that's kind of the, the name of that position is clogging up the middle, making it difficult to go straight up the gut. Um, it, it would be awesome for him to have a really good game and maybe get those five, six, seven tackles, get a sack or two, and really, really leave his imprint, like you said, just – I think he's a quintessential Penn State locker room guy that that everyone loves, and and I think in a couple of years we'll be looking back and saying, "Well, PJ Mustafer was a really good dude for Penn State, even though statistically his numbers aren't like amazingly flashy because of, again, because of the style and what he's doing." So I agree with that. I think he's a good one. Um, and then I think the last name that I'll throw out again is is uh, Chop Robinson. He, he really had a great season, eight and a half TFLs, four sacks. Um, and is he – he's a sophomore, I think, right? Yeah, I think he's got two years left as well. I think he does. So hopefully he can have another really big game and set the tone for him next season um, to come in and, and be a name – a recognizable name right off the bat for all the Big Ten. Um, this is a really big game for State, really kind of thinking about the future. Um, obviously, it's great to win this game, but – I. I with the pieces that Penn State has and what they're trying to do for the future, this is this could be a huge tone setter for teams on lookout next year. Obviously, we got to beat Michigan Penn, and Ohio State next year. It's going to be the same story every single year. But you win this game with pretty young guys all across the board, other than your your senior citizen quarterback. I think it's a it's a pretty good building stone for the future. Yeah, and I think pollsters are pretty lazy. So, like, you win the Rose yeah. Bowl, I think that gets you a couple spots in the polls next year. And as much as we like to say the polls don't matter, they do. And, and yeah. in college football, it's all about the appearance of things and, and prestige and whatnot. And and for me, you know, looking at as a Penn State fan, Penn State's only won one Rose Bowl. It was 1994. Yeah. I, I don't think you or I or Jordan remember a whole lot from that game. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it would be cool as a, as a team that's been in the Big Ten for – you know what is it now? Thirty some seasons. Yeah, It'd be nice yeah. to win a Rose Bowl, man. Yeah, just, seriously, just just to win the Rose Bowl and this particular one. I know that a lot of the various um, 
sites have made a big deal out of it. This is probably the last real Rose Bowl. Yep. Um, because next year the playoffs, ask, yeah. the Rose Bowl is going to host one of the playoff games. And then starting in 24, who knows what's going to happen. But generally speaking, I think the Rose Bowl is going to have to concede all of the protection that it's had. And it's just going to be in any one of the bowls now once it goes to 12, 12 team playoffs. So this, this may be the last real Big Ten versus Pac 12 Rose Bowl. Now, it's already kind of been watered down over the years, but I still think that's something. No, I agree. I think that's a big one. Um, yeah, I, I I think that the Rose will be a completely different thing next year as far – well, moving forward. Um, so, like you said, I, I, to be Penn State, if they were to win this one, that I mean, not just to get two, but to be able to really say, like, hey, we won the granddaddy of them all before it became this other thing um, – that's pretty special. And like you said, I I would not – I definitely would have taken the over if you would have told me how many Rose Bowl games has Penn State won and said one, I would have taken the over because I just felt like they have won more than one. Um, so that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, they've only um, they've only played – this will be number uh, – so they played in 94. They won in 94. They lost in 08 and lost in – they've only played in three. Now, hmm. they, won the big tw- they, they won the Big Ten in 2005 – which was the year Texas and USC played in the national title game, which was in the Rose Bowl, which is why Penn State didn't play. It was one of the years when the Rose Bowl wasn't available. Right. But still, I think if you go back in time and, and talk to the Penn State fans in the 80s and early 90s when they were when we were a top three, top five program in the country, if you just said, hey, you're going to join the Big Ten, you know, they would say, okay, we'll be going to Pasadena every other year, probably winning yeah. the Rose Bowl every couple of years. It, it hasn't happened. Um, so – I think we've been in the Big Ten long enough, though, that we should care about winning the Rose Bowl just for the sake of it. And I've seen a lot of comments, too, on various sites that, oh, you know, I wish we weren't playing Utah. I wish we were playing USC or Oregon. Utah's not a name brand. Maybe not, but they could say the same thing about us and say, I wish it was Michigan or Ohio State. They played Ohio State last year, but they're really good. I think the one takeaway if you're watching this podcast is don't be surprised if Utah wins this game. They're very good. I think, you know – the only game where they kind of really laid an egg all year was the Florida game, and that was week one. Uh, they've been really good since then. And they, they they took a USC team that I think was playing really well at the end of the year, and obviously Caleb Williams won the Heisman, but they they dominated that Pac-12 title game, and it was no yeah. it was no fluke. It was no joke. Yeah, and, and I think, like you said, um, I, I think that's a great transition because Utah is two-and-a-half-point favorites. Um Winning the Pac-12 is no joke. We we said all year that the top of the Pac-12 was really good. USC, Oregon, Washington, UCLA, even they – I mean, they fell off, but the, I think they're still pretty good. Um, the top of the Pac-12 was a lot deeper than the top of the Big Ten. So it's definitely no joke for them to win that one. So it's a great transition. Let's get into our score predictions. Zach, I will let you go first. And disclaimer to all the fans out there. We have not talked about this. Sometimes we do so that I can make the banner ahead of time. We have not talked about this at all. So if Zach says the same score as me, I'm still saying it. I don't care. Yeah, this was tough. I, I think this really is sort of a, a, a pick em game. Um, I, I think the Kincaid thing is is probably the of all the opt-outs, I think that's probably the biggest one. I still think that Utah is really good offensively, and I think Penn State has a chance to do a lot of good things offensively as well. Um, 
I'm calling a slight Penn State victory. I'm going to say 38-34 Penn State. I think there's going to be some points scored. Pretty high scoring, but I like it. I mean, I'm I'm okay with it. Um, and and I am totally with you. I, I probably would have picked Utah if Dalton Kincaid played. I think he's that big of a difference maker. So I'm going Penn State 30 to 22. Picked a weird score because I think Utah scores late, goes for two, gets it, tries to make it a one score game. So I'm going to go 30 to 22. I'm all all about the weird scores right now. So. Um, I just think the Big I, I think Ten is a great game. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the Big Ten just doesn't have line or uh, tight ends that that do what Dalton Kincaid does. So, like, I just yeah. for me, if he, if he was playing, it's a huge question mark as far as our linebackers and safeties. It's just something that we really haven't seen. Um, the Big Ten offenses are a little bit more traditional, but yeah, it should be a really good game. I'm excited. I I'm I'm excited for the Utah matchup. Like I said, I, a lot of fans I saw were kind of griping about it, which didn't sit well with me. I feel like at this point, if you don't respect Utah or you don't see them as equal to USC or Oregon, I don't know where you've been for the last like yeah fifteen years, or at least even the last just the last couple years. They've been uh, they've been right there at the top of the big uh, Pac-12. Yeah, and I'm, I think I forget what I you might know this better than me, but I, they're only like the the third or the fourth time that somebody's won the Pac-12 championship back to back years. I think I saw. Um, which is kind of says just how good Utah is right now under Kyle uh, Whittingham. I mean, he, he's been there for what 16, 17 years, and they've and, they, and, and actually a lot longer. Um, he was he's been the defensive court, he was the defensive coordinator prior oh, to being head coach. So his time there, just in any capacity, is something like 20 plus years. He was. He was Urban Meyer's defensive coordinator when Alex Smith was there. So he's just in today's day and age, you don't see very many head coaches for as long as he's been the head coach, let alone have yeah. having a coordinator at that same school. And so, you know, it's kind of just different to see. And I think that helps because they know who they are. They know who, how yep. to recruit. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, they're, they're not one of those teams that's a top 10 recruiting team every year. But they recruit dudes that work for their system and what what they want to do, and I think they're they have proven that you don't have to go get sixty five star recruits. Like, get the guys that work for what you want to do, and and I think at the end of the day, it comes down to really great coaching. We, I mean, we've talked about is Franklin a great coach? That's up for debate, and that could be in maybe an off season podcast. But I, I think that Utah's proven the way to to win power five championships without being a star recruiting five-star destination. Like I, I, why would you want to go to Utah when you can go to USC or UCLA? But if you're the guy that fits their system, you're going to find, find a way to fit in there and play well. So um, it's pretty impressive what they've done in all honesty. But um, do you have anything else, Zach? Don't want to drag this out too awful long. Um, the, I will say one last stat, and then I'm going to give it to you. And and this is one that jumped off the page at me. Utah is only averaging four penalties per game this year. They are ranked seventh in the nation, only averaging four penalties per game. That is, I mean, that's a big deal for a team to not hurt themselves. Um, Penn State, oh, I didn't write it down. I think Penn State was averaging like eight, seven and a half, eight penalties per game, which doesn't sound like a ton like to an outsider 
but seven penalties, you're talking probably 70 yards. Typically they're 10 yard penalties. Most of the time, 10 or five or 15 and he balances out. out. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's a lot of yards that you're giving up either hurting your offense or helping the opponent's offense. Um, so I think that's a, that's a stat that I'm going to be watching for on Monday. Whenever that game's going is, is, does Penn State hurt themselves in bad situations? Because Utah's not going to with only four penalties per game. Yeah, they do. They do all the things that good, solid, consistent teams do. They they possess the ball. They they're I think I saw they're like sixth in the country at over thirty three minutes a game. Mm. They don't commit penalties. They don't turn the ball over. They've got a good quarterback. They run the ball. They spread the ball out in the pass game. Just. You know, my I guess my my final closing remark is make sure you've got the uh, game program up because they do have a lot of Samoan guys with crazy, crazy difficult to pronounce last names. Yeah. Yep. I'm glad I won't be uh, the play by play guy for this. Um, I kind of wish Jordan was here and we could make him test test his. uh, Keep an eye out for their uh, the backup defensive tackle or defensive end Mickey Shugaturuga. That's a good one. That that might be your all name team. I still think that's probably an off season podcast for for the Nittany No Huddle is Zach's actual all name team. team. Which uh, I'll look into it. Do you want to do you want to go ahead and break the news that actually just yes we're, today? we we are just now getting breaking news. Penn State we mentioned the transfer portal a bit ago. Um, Penn State just signed a cornerback from North Carolina named Storm Duck, which Great I think game. is really unfortunate that he decided to transfer from North Carolina, Mister Duck. That is. Uh, on the day they were playing Oregon, it's kind of disappointing. But yeah, um, how dare he? It's a great joining, name. Though. He'll be joining a fairly stacked cornerback room, so that was an interesting one. Like, like we talked about earlier, I don't think cornerback was a huge priority for them. Um, with Porter leaving, uh, and I saw there was a, I can't remember if he was a true freshman or a redshirt freshman, but Penn State had a guy enter the portal. We could probably devote a whole podcast to the portal. Yeah. I think Penn State's largely done pretty good in terms of not having mass exodus into the portal like some programs, but they definitely have lost a few guys. And I think Franklin, to his credit, is pretty selective, and he just doesn't go into the portal and just grab everything he can. Mm -hmm. I think he he values, I'd rather save those scholarships for recruiting high school players that I can identify early on and develop into the guys that I want them to be. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, I think that I think that will definitely be an offseason thing is talking about some of the recruits uh, signing day was just what a week ago, two weeks ago, whatever it was. Um, and and like you said, the guys that have left in the transfer portal, I, I feel like they're all guys that we kind of anticipated leaving. Like nobody has left where you're like, oh, man, that's that's not good. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's something we can talk about later. Uh, leave it in the comments if you definitely want us to do that, if you'll be tuning in. We're afraid to spend an hour talking about recruiting and the transfer portal just to get 60 viewers. Um, but if we if we get uh, some some love, we'll, we'll worry about that. So I think that wraps up our Penn State portion. We're a little under an hour, probably about where we're at. Uh, one thing, just to make sure that all of our wonderful, adoring fans out there know, we are recording this on December 28th at 10 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. So please do not, not come at us if something changes over the next four days um, after recording this. Probably post it on the 30th. The game is on January 2nd. So please do not come at us if something breaks over the next few days that we missed or if somebody gets some breaking news, whatever hopefully, it is. Just hopefully nobody opts out. 
this late in the game, but you never hopefully know. not. You never know. Um, so I think the last thing that we're going to do, and we're going to probably try to do pretty quick on this. Um, we're going to skip our top 25s. We'll do probably a, a, a recap or a season overview of some kind um, in the next couple weeks where we can get final rankings. Um, I can make a graphic too, probably on, on Instagram or something for those that really care. Um, but we're going to skip our top 25s. We are going to go into just a few bowl game predictions. Um, all three of us, Jordan included, we, we have a Google Doc where we went in and picked every single bowl game. Um, that it, it was not a great time looking at some of those bowl games, if I'm being completely honest. Um, so the standings are at the bottom. They were also posted on Instagram before the bowl games. Zach had a one-game lead over Jordan, and then somehow, magically, I'm only three games out. I don't, I mean, I don't really know what happened, but somehow I kind of made a comeback, I guess. Um, so I'm three games out heading into the bowl games. Again, we are recording this on December 28th. So as of right this minute, the last game that ended just ended in triple overtime with Arkansas defeating regular Kinsaw, um <laughs> for our fans out there. And that puts our standings for the bowl games. Jordan is in last place at 10 and 13 overall. I am in second at 12 and 11. And Zach is at 14 and nine, extending his lead. I will say, Zach, I don't know if you've looked at the Google Doc. I was six and 10 on Christmas morning. So since Christmas day, I am six and one. And the only one I got wrong, I went with my heart and picked the Chanticleers because I always pick the Chanticleers and they did not come ready to play. But I am six and one since then trying to make a little comeback. Um, you are four and three since Christmas day. Jordan was on pace to be competitive, but he is two and five since Christmas day. Yeah, he's um, in a tailspin. He's in a tailspin. I, I will say I've weirdly I, – I had a lot of picks where you guys went one way and I went by myself, and they seemed to be working out. Yes. Like, that, uh, very true. For whatever reason, I picked on, – on, with with no rational justification whatsoever, I picked East Carolina to beat Coastal Carolina, and they, they blew them out. So Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, and that's – the other thing that has helped me is I had Buffalo, and you both had Georgia Southern – and I had Wisconsin, whereas you both went against the Big Ten and went with the completely spiraling Oklahoma State yeah, team that has just crumbled over the last two months of the season. Um, so that helped me out there trying to come back. Um, so we're going to very quickly talk about one, two, three, four bowl games and then give our college football playoff predictions. These will be very quick, uh, just a couple of matchups between ranked opponents we are gonna forgo texas versus washington because as i said i probably won't post this before that game and i don't want to yeah i mean we all it's horns down i actually picked texas to win that game so i i'm kind of surprised but i did i did it to myself uh so let's talk about the gator bowl which is december 30th at 3 30 p.m featuring number 21 notre dame against number 19, South Carolina. Zach, who'd you pick in that one? So I've got South Carolina. I mean, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Nobody's finished the season hotter than South Carolina. Yep. Uh, as far as much crap as Spencer Rattler took from Jordan all season, he played really well at the end of the season. I think it was a little weird to see Notre Dame's starting quarterback transfer. Um, and I, I, who are we talking about? I, I saw something, some kind of report about who is potentially transferring into Notre Dame 
Oh, Sam uh, Hartman. Sam Hartman from Wake Forest. From Wake so that'll Forest. be interesting to Love see. Sam Hartman. Not so, anymore. Yeah, we, we used to be big Wake Forest fans, but we'll see how that shakes out. But I, I just think going into that game, US or uh, South Carolina is in a much stabler USC situation. East. USC East. I, I just think they're in a better position right now for this bowl game. And I think they're, again, you could argue nobody is hotter in the country right now than South Carolina, the way they ended the season. Yep, I echo everything you said. Plus, I hate Notre Dame. So I picked South Carolina as well, or as we love to call it, USC East. Um, Jordan went Notre Dame. So we'll see Jordan did go Notre Dame, which is I, – I feel like he picked – I would say that I feel like he just wanted to be different than us, but I'm pretty yeah. sure he was the first one on the document. So I think he even did it before me. So I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he just picked Notre Dame. Why? No one knows. Uh, all right, let's move on to the orangiest Orange Bowl in the history of oranges. Uh, Tennessee versus Clemson. That game is December 30th at 8 p.m. I picked Tennessee because I think the ACC is an absolute fraud, even though I don't think Tennessee is probably that much better with uh, Hendon Hooker not playing in that game. Um, but I just I can't pick the ACC. I can't I can't do it. Yeah, and as much as I was hating the ACC all year, it's a little odd <clears throat> that I'm going Clemson, but I think they finally figured out the quarterback situation, obviously, with Ungalalele or whatever his name is transferring to yeah. Oregon State, which was kind of interesting. But Klubnik came in uh, late in the season. I think he's he has a chance to be a pretty good quarterback, and I just I wonder if Tennessee is motivated, given that they were number one in the country. If you're a Tennessee fan, you're sitting here thinking, my gosh, why are we not what in the playoffs? Happened? So this this was just sort of a motivation pick for me, which is I think half the battle in a lot of these bowls where <coughs> guys are sitting out and um, that sometimes the death. This is the Orange Bowl, so it's a pretty big bowl, but still, it's like any more if it's not the playoffs, you kind of have to wonder. Yeah, and uh, Jordan picked Tennessee, but not to try to like brush over, but exactly what you said. The motivation is why in the next game that we're talking about, which is the Sugar Bowl between Bama and Kansas State, it's exactly why I went with Kansas State. Um, because for Alabama right now, it's college football playoffs are bust. And, and I think Kansas State will have so much to play for to go beat Alabama. Is Kansas State better than Alabama? I, I don't think so. If you just put it on paper beside the two teams, Alabama top to bottom is a better team. But I think Kansas State will want it more, and I think they will do all the things you need to win that game. So I have Kansas State beating Bama in the Sugar Bowl. That's on uh, New Year's Eve at noon. Yeah, so this one was pretty simple for me. I was the last one to fill this out. I saw you both picked Kansas State. I, 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 yeah, I, yeah. I'll be very happy if K-State wins. I think it has a chance to be a pretty good game. I think K-State's just a really fun team to watch. I've, I've really enjoyed them all season. Um, they've gone through a couple quarterbacks and have success with, with both of them, so – I'm not rooting for Bama, but I did pick Bama. Yeah, which I totally understand. I mean, I would have I would have done the exact same thing. So I'm with you. Uh, all right, the last game before the college football playoffs, uh, or before we get into the conversation of the college football playoffs, would be number 16, Tulane, versus number 10, USC West, um, actual USC, in the Cotton Bowl Classic. That is on January 2nd at 1 o'clock. Um, all three of us picked USC. So, Zach, is there any chance that Tulane wins this game? What what percentage would you give Tulane? I'll say it's like a 80-20 game. Okay. I think I think, I think 
there's definitely a chance that the way USC ended the season is such a bitter taste in their mouth that they just don't show up. Um, I think Lincoln Riley's a pretty good coach. I think um, Caleb Williams, he's he's just a true sophomore, right? So he has to come back. I think he's a true sophomore, yeah. So I think there's a chance that they kind of stiffen their bow a little bit and they they look at this as the springboard to next year where they try to reload, go to the transfer portal again and come back and try to try to be a player in the not just the Pac-12, but the national scene. Because again, it's easy to forget a couple weeks later, but beat Utah and they're in the playoffs, right? I think right. pretty much everybody agrees they'd be in the playoffs. So I, I think the the way Tulane wins is that USC doesn't show up. Yeah, I agree. I, I almost would probably say it's more like 90-10. So I think 80-20 is, is reasonable. And, and like you said, Tulane is fun. I mean, I think they're fun to watch. But I, there's, I don't think there's any chance they stop USC. Like USC, I think, will score in the 50s. And I just don't think Tulane can. Tulane might score in the 30s. It might be like 50 to 30 at the end of the game, 55-35. I'm trying to think of what the seven point would be. But I see it. If you remember the Penn State Memphis game in the Cotton Bowl, oh yeah, it was that, what, like that was sixty-five like 50, to forty-five like or something, three to thirty-nine or something. Oh, okay. I think I, I think Tulane on. has some Tulane has some players, and I think they can score. And USC, um, we've talked about their defense all season. They're actually they've been really good at turning the ball over, but they give up a lot of points. So it definitely could be one of those types of games. But I, I'm with you. I just I don't think they can stop USC. Yeah. So that kind of covers. Uh, I will say Jordan did pick Penn State, didn't get a score out of him, but he did also pick Penn State. So all three of us, the Homer picks are real on the Nittany No Huddle podcast. We all three picked Penn State to beat Utah. Um, but let's dive if in I can quickly. Make one, one quick pick before the uh, okay. playoff. I don't know if you – here's a game to keep an eye on, LSU-Purdue. Uh, we all picked LSU. That's At true. the time, I didn't even know. Aiden O'Connell not playing. Charlie Jones not playing. Jalen Graham Purdue's probably their best defensive player not playing. I think there's a chance LSU wins this game by 40 points. Yeah, holy cow. I All three of them aren't playing. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. Which is really unfortunate for a Purdue program that had a really good season. Good season. Gave Michigan a good, decent game in the Big Ten title game. And then they just got gut-punched when Jeff uh, – or uh, uh, yeah, Jeff Brom left for mm-hmm. Louisville. Not yeah. super surprising, but still – Kind of kind of painful if you're a Purdue fan feeling you're you're starting all over. You had a really good season. You're playing a, a really awesome bowl game for a Purdue. You know LSU. I think it's yeah. gonna be ugly. Yeah, I I'm glad I picked LSU knowing that. So um, you're more in tune with some of that stuff. So that that's good. I'm good insight. number. I am the uh, I'm the president, secretary, and treasurer of the Charlie Jones fan club. Yeah, Charlie Jones. Hopefully he has. Hopefully he does something in the NFL. I do hope so. But you never know. Anyways, so college football playoffs. Uh, those games are on New Year's Eve. The Fiesta Bowl was at 4 o'clock featuring TCU versus Michigan. And directly after that, about 8.15, is Ohio State versus Georgia. Um, to save a hair of time here, we all three of us on the podcast picked Michigan and Georgia to win their games and to go to the college football championship game. Zach and I picked Georgia to win. Jordan picked Michigan, who has been back and forth between Georgia and Michigan all season, so it's not like he's just been high on Michigan. As odd as it sounds, we didn't talk about top 25s. I have Michigan ranked number one in my top 25 entering the bowl games, but I have Georgia winning. Um, I just Georgia's really good. I think they're playing really good. 
And I think that when they go in and stomp Ohio State, they will have so much confidence and momentum headed into the national championship game that Michigan's going to have to play a perfect game to beat them. And Michigan hasn't played a perfect game in a while. Um, I mean, maybe Ohio State, I guess you could say, was pretty perfect. But you look at Purdue in the Big Ten championship game, they made a lot of mistakes, a lot of bad throws from the quarterback. Um, I, I just, I think Georgia ends up winning the national championship this year, beating Michigan probably by two scores would be my guess. Yeah, so I'm, I'm largely in the same boat. Um, I don't like picking back-to-back national champions, but I, I don't think that either semifinal game is going to be particularly close. I, I'm not necessarily predicting a huge blowout in either. I just I don't think I don't think TCU will have played right. the style of football that Michigan is going to present for them. And so if they if they get behind um, or they let Michigan kind of get out in front, it's, it's just not the, the normal uh, comeback that they've been doing to pretty much everybody in the Big 12 all year. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to work. And then Ohio State, we've talked about them all year. You know, the, a lot of the commenters after the Ohio State week were not happy with us, but I just I don't think they're good enough running the football, and I don't think they're good enough stopping the run. And yeah, and if Michigan will expose you doing that, Georgia uh, will. Then Georgia will. And so I, I I think they've got enough offensive firepower that I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout. I think they'll hang around, but I, I, my guess wow. is it's it's like a 14, 17 point spread. They're not gonna they're not gonna scare Georgia. And then Georgia-Michigan, I think, has a chance to be a really good game, but I still think Michigan is just not, from a talent standpoint, you can't – their style of play, you can't out-Georgia-Georgia, Georgia, right? Georgia's capable of handling that sort of bully ball mentality. I don't think uh, McCarthy is good enough to elevate the team. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that always says, like, it, there's too much made about the quarterback, but I think in that type of game where Georgia's going to be able to stymie the normal, the normal style of uh-oh, lost Zach. But I agree with what Zach was saying. Um, it all comes down to McCarthy, and I don't think that he is that elite quarterback that is capable of winning the game. Um, so Zach pretty much summed that up. Um, just got a text from him. He said his laptop died. That's fine because we're going to log out here anyways. Uh, let me kick him off. Uh, appreciate everybody all season. It's been a great year of covering Penn State football. Probably got one, maybe two more podcasts this offseason planned. Um, a recap of the whole season, then some sort of a transfer recruiting type idea. We'll get into that at some point. Um, but until then, leave your comments down below. Tell them why Coach Devin is the best because I'm the only person here on the podcast. So leave that down below. Um, and until next time, Peace out, Nittany No Huddle Nation. Thanks for watching the Nittany No Huddle Podcast. Check us out on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Podcasts are posted weekly on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to like and subscribe so you never miss one of our new shows.